following program is intended for mature audiences. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Let's talk football. Let's talk football. One constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. There's been a lot of complaints already. Bad language, smoking grass. 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Got a couple extra weeks of dust uh, layering uh, on this stuff. I know. I got to get a. I got to clean that baby we, off. We haven't been using it in a few weeks. No. But the mics still work. Looks like things are all functional. So we are. Uh, we're back. Post sickness on both of our parts, which was not transmitted, by the way, from one to the other, and also post vacation. You going anywhere over the summer? Are you doing anything? Just kind of staying local? I don't know. Staycation? I never plan shit out like that. What am I going to do? Travel by myself? I don't know. I was just <laughs> asking. I'll probably travel to the golf course 20 to 25 times this summer. Which, by the way, you are going to use a cart in men's oh league. Oh, my God. I'm listening to that today, and you guys on the radio talking about that. Oh, man. I'm glad you texted me. I really am. And then I got another text from, from Sully. Yeah. He's like, we're old men. Of course we have carts. Yeah. Like, what are you talking about, dude? Yeah, there, there's nothing like walking in men's league in the middle of July when it's 95 out and you can't go anywhere because the course is wall to wall. Yeah, let's walk. You're going to be there until midnight. They're going to play glow golf at that point because everybody's going to be so slow. Um, a sad announcement. Did you see we lost one of our uh, our snack joints at at Middleton for basketball season? No. Hurts Donuts. Oh, really? Yep. Well. So the way I saw it was the lady uh, who owns it fell in the shop, and they were treating her shoulder injury, and they staff, they found stage four. Ugh. And so she didn't want to sell the place. She just closed up shop. So mm, That's too bad. It is. Yeah, so well, we're going to have to stick to Hubbard Avenue. I my think, waistline from... will thank, thank her for that. But <laughs> I, st- I told the story this weekend of the of the uh, the maple bacon long john that you you just absolutely annihilated right before we did a game. <laughs> And then just crawled up to the top oh, of the yeah. bleachers and laid down. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. Good times. Good times. Always eating. Uh, eating pregame in Middleton. Absolutely. That, that's, that's kind of the one we look forward to. So we're so we're losing Hertz Donuts. This is the intentional foul. We're back. We got a lot to cover. It's been what three weeks? Yeah. Four weeks? Yeah. You were something like that. You were on vacation. Yep. I was going to do one, but then I thought ah, I'll take one week off and then I'll do it. I'll, you know, I was going to do an all basketball one last week. And then I just got murdered by the flu and was down for the count for yeah. a couple of days. And yeah, I, I figured it was bad when I was texting you some semi humorous stuff and I got dead silence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I'm glad you're you're still not still not hundy. I still over got there. I still got a lot of stuff going on in the old melon. All right, that, that's a first. Okay. All right, so we'll uh, we'll do a couple of NFL things. We'll do some NBA. I mean, they're in the playoffs right now. Uh, Brewer season is about two weeks in. Some baseball notes, uh, some college hoops, or some Badgers and Marquette stuff. And um, yeah, the, the little headline from Iowa State, which I did. I see it draw drew the ire of Doug Gottlieb or something like that well, on Twitter today. Which I'm not surprised. Is not hard, yeah. uh, I would guess, but drew my ire a little bit too. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we'll so we'll do that all coming up, and uh, hopefully we won't have to tax the vocal cords too much. If you need to retire and wave the white flag, 
Um, we will do that, but uh, we'll just kind of ease back into it with some some NFL stuff. It's really weird that I am not so hardcore pre-draft this year, which is odd because if there has ever been a clear need for a particular position group for the Packers, I don't really recall, you know, with wide receiver being so thin, but it's like with two first-round picks, and I think th- I think they might have two second-round picks, I'm just kind of waiting to see as it comes. It's like as much as you can look forward to doing something, I've kind of learned with this this regime and the last regime, there's no getting your hopes up for any one particular player because something's going to happen that's going to completely derail every thought in your head and you're just going to have to deal with it. Yeah, I would think you'd be eating this up. I mean, what do they got? Four of the first like 75, 77 mm-hmm. picks, something yep. like that. Yeah, I mean, you would think you're going to get a couple of guys, at least two, that are going to play right away. Regardless of what position they're drafted at, you would think that, <laughs> you know, you got some holes to plug here. Yeah. These guys are guys that you're going to expect day one to slot into, if not starting, you yep. know, being right being right there pushing the starters. I mean, I've, saw, I've seen Pro Football Focus has a, a cool little draft simulator where you can pick your team and you can, you know, organize, like, the variables for randomness and stuff like that. So, you know, you're going up against teams, and then you can do what you want, and you see who's available when you pick. And Michael and I tooled around with this, and it's, you know, there's there's a bunch of guys. You do it three or four times. You see who's going to be available traditionally at that spot. So, I mean, I'm looking for for receiver. We can talk about this next week if we do one. Receiver. Um, you know, edge rusher, um, you got to pick up an offensive lineman at some point and uh, a tight end that's an and inside linebacker. That's kind of where it's kind of where I'm falling on that. You might might want to grab a safety uh, as well. But I mean, you got to be pretty confident. Well, I don't know. Maybe with what you like, what you just said, you really don't know with this regime. But boy, you'd have to think in the one of the first two picks if they keep them and don't package right. or move or something that they would pick a wide receiver in the first round. I mean, you kind of almost, I mean, if you don't, aren't you kind of just telling your whole fan base, they don't know anything, right? Like, Oh no, we're fine. Like it's, it's always the, well, you need, you need, you need. And they say, well, that's the worst reason that you need to draft someone because it's need. Mm -hmm. But if unless you're the Raiders and Al Davis and drafting Darius Hayward Bay when everybody goes, what are you doing? I'm not sure at that juncture you can make such a huge calculative error in maybe jumping up a couple of spots to take a receiver that you think is going to start right away. Well, and that's kind of the whole point of having the multiple early round picks is that you can you can go get whatever guy is your guy at your spot. And then you have these other ones where now I can gamble. Now I can maybe reach for uh, a guy that maybe they say is a second round because of an an ankle issue or something, but he's really a first round top 15 talent. Well, maybe let's reach for him at 28. Because he's got a high motor. Right. Something like that. Yeah. Because he's there. Um, I don't know. I, I It'll be very interesting to see what they do because they are pretty unpredictable. They're they're not quite as unpredictable as my team on draft day. I mean, they don't give up the farm for a bunch of maybe franchise guys, but mm-hmm. well, okay. 
Now, switch even before we get – well, first of all, let's, let's stay with the receiver thing, and then I want to get to that. Um, so they signed uh, Sammy Watkins last week, and you sent me a text immediately. Um, to me, this is this is nice. Yeah, he's injured, but so's Randall Cobb. They're only giving him four million dollars. If you, he's a veteran guy. He can still fly. You're not asking him to be the number one dude, but you've got a, a solid core of Lazard, Cobb, and Watkins. None of these guys, to me, are going to make it through the season without getting hurt. No, I was going to say I don't think he'll get. I don't think he'll play more than 10 games. And you know what? That If he plays 10 games, to me, that's fine. It just depends which 10 they are. Right. Exactly. If he has to miss, like, a chunk in the season where he plays the first couple, gets hurt, and then he's back for the back half or something like that. I, you don't know at Or this does he point. play 10 and get hurt? You never see him again. <laughs> right. Because he's one of those You guys. never know. Yep. No, you're, you're right. But they had to do something. There's not much out there. They don't have that much money to spend. So if you can take a flyer on this dude for $4 bucks. Fine with me. That's great. Um, did I read something? I don't know because you, you you said in your text message it's not it's baseball season. It's basketball season. It's not football season. Did I read somewhere that the new regime already wants to move on from Justin Fields? Did I read that somewhere? Did you read any of that? Anything? Uh, okay. No, I have not read All that. Right. Okay, then we can we can go ahead and skip that. No, um, I, that just seems absolutely ludicrous to me. But I, like you said, the unpredictability of your franchise. I didn't know whether that. Yeah, no, I was a possibility. I have not heard All that right. or read anything about that. But I mean, that's another team, you know. And I, because it isn't football season, I haven't really looked at where mm-hmm. these guys are draft wise. I don't remember what the Bears have, but there's a that's another team that you know wide receiver is a glaring hole. You know, I don't. I mean, they have a lot of other holes, but I don't know if they're going to try to fill that unless they. You know, I don't know if there's a trade to be made if you try to take, you know, steal a Tyler Lockett or somebody like that. But there's a lot of guys still left on the free agency market that are Sammy Watkins ass guys who you can take a one year and pay, you know, two, three million dollars for. I'm, are you a little surprised that the Bears haven't really done anything like that so far? Just to kind of, well, I mean, they keep signing tight ends. Well, no, that's the old regime. I mean, they signed one, but not like the old regime. The old regime had like 11 of them. <laughs> I think this new GM is very, very conscious about building up from the inside out, which is the right way to go about it with a franchise quarterback. I, you know, worry about your wide receiver when, when you're a contender, but you got to become a contender first, and you do that by building building your interior, and I think that's what the majority of the focus has been on so far. All right. Brown signed Denzel Ward five years, $100 million today, and immediately all the Packers beat writers, because this is now going to affect um, Alexander's contract. And it's like somebody had pointed out this draft and develop stuff what the Packers are doing might not be viable anymore because if these guys that they they draft and then develop, they all get too expensive, they're not going to be able to keep them all. Because – now what is Alexander going to get paid after Ward gets paid $20 million a year? And again, because this isn't real money, money. Well, I don't know, know what, what the what actual it actually is. is right. But, I mean, <clears throat> this is a position. When is that? When is a contract like that worked out? When is a, a, a corner ever signed for monster money like this and had it work out? I can't think of anybody. No. Not I mean, really. other than Dion, what? Right, and he's, that was he's a once twenty-five in a years ago. Right? 
But, like, I mean, I remember uh, Nandi Asamoa, mm-hmm. uh, Darrell Revis. Yep. You know, I mean. Sherman. Sherman, like these, these shutdown corner type yep. guys that end up getting these once every, it's like a once every five, seven years it seems this happens. But it never really works out. So, I mean. Well, and, and, and at the rate teams are throwing and how many pass catchers they have, you almost need two or three of these guys yeah. on your team. Yeah. For sure, you're you know. Put, so now you're, you're going to put, put all your eggs on this money guy. on one guy. Now all of a sudden, if you play anybody any good, it's like okay, great, you can put him on Jamar Chase, right? But Joe Burrow's really good, and we'll find. And he's going to find another couple guys. He's got T. Higgins. He's got Mixon out of the backfield. He's got you know. What I'm, so I don't know, man. That's that's a lot of money for yeah, a corner. I I totally agree. And now, well, whether the Packers can uh, sign Alexander or not, and. I have no idea. And I just saw this coming over here, and I'm glad that you you had it. Um, And I don't know if it was done on purpose, tongue-in-cheek or whatever. People at ESPN Milwaukee were asking, you know, how do you feel with Tom Brady teaming up with Aaron Rodgers? Josh Allen and and Patrick Mahomes are playing Brady and Rodgers in a golf charity round. I think it's, what, like June 1st or something like that. Uh, I don't know what course it is. I don't know either. I um, maybe it's in Vegas. I'm not sure, but uh, again, it's this is a match, and it's a it's a charity thing. And I fine, cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I th- this doesn't bother me. These guys are allowed a social life during the off season. You know, it's not. Oh, gonna... you mean like does it bother you that they're like being friendly? Yeah. Well, why? It's they don't play against each other. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> It shouldn't bother me. I mean, it maybe would bother me if, like, Rodgers was friends with whoever Tampa's best pass rusher is. If if you care about that kind of stuff, which I don't. I don't either. Not, especially not in football. No, but it's, like, they were just trying to, I, I don't know. I, I, I didn't understand Quarterbacks, what the, what the foot, point like, of this was. The whole thing about football is, like, the positional groups are all friends with each other. Like, Don't they call it a like quarterback kickers, club? Right, like kickers hang with kickers and punters and right. quarterbacks. Like, why wouldn't these guys? I don't like I don't like that it's four quarterbacks. I don't give a shit who's, who plays and who doesn't of the four. Mm-hmm. But I thought the whole point when they started this was to pair him up with a pro. An actual golf. An actual golf pro. Yeah. Like, it was way... I mean, I know Phil Mickelson's yeah. at everybody's shit list right now, so he's not going to be there, but... <clears throat> Go ahead. Man. <laughs> We're not even through the first <laughs> first topic yet. <clears throat> but uh, it's just more fun to have a, go- a real golfer out there. Like when it was Phil and Tiger and, and Brady and Manning. You're drawing two separate fan bases into that right right now well yeah but do you like think the actual golfing fans care about some of these it's quarterbacks? more fun when like phil mickelson's talking shit to brady about his pots or or about rogers when they were fucking with him about whether he was going to come back to green bay or not like i don't know like this patrick mahomes scream like super cool guy to go golfing with because it doesn't to me i i mean so they're going to talk shit about football while they're golfing yeah, I don't get is that, it. Is that how that's going to work? If that was the case, I would just assume if you didn't want to do pro golfers, then put them with like celebrities, right? You know, like have Bill Murray and Tom Brady but, versus Rogers and you know somebody else famous. But, but we already do that at Lake Tahoe. Well, when, exactly, when they have the that's my point. Thing. Like yeah. I didn't want it to be like a, a fucking pro am. 
Like I wanted like, you know, Dustin Johnson and and Josh Allen versus Mahomes and Spieth. Yeah. Yes. I, you're not I, I don't know. You you're, you're not wrong. So that's happening. I don't these know. These networks they just fall in love with these, Is it a pay-per-view these, thing or is it going to be on like TNT or TBS or something? Don't okay. Know. Don't, right. I don't remember what the last I think the first one was pay-per-view, but I don't That's Rogers and stuff was, was not because no. I did watch it. And this and the where they played at the Big Sky Ranch or whatever in Montana was absolutely gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It was really cool. So I don't know where this is, but that's coming up uh right right at the front of of summer. So, all right, you ready to uh, test the voice? Because this is all you for NBA because it is it is playoff time. I watched a couple of the tournament play-in games, um, and I followed that. I I like how the Bucks rested everybody and slid down from the number three to the no, or from the number two to the number three. Um, I do not think that was an intentional thing. You don't. No. You you thought it was designed rest day, yep. even though they kind of controlled their own destiny in the fact that. If they won, they still would have gotten the two seed. Well, the Bucks. I don't believe they were ducking Brooklyn. Okay, because that's the team that you said you didn't want to mess with in the of first course. round. Of course, nobody wanted to play them in the first round because you could have, you know, Boston could win the second most games in the conference and lose in the first round, <clears throat> but they're actually a viable title contender. But I don't think the Bucks were ducking them. I don't think the Bucks really gave a shit too much about who they played. Okay. Uh, the play-in tournament games, I, I had to look up because I wasn't exactly sure, again, how it worked. The first games, the winners get the seven seed, and then the teams drop down to play the 8-9 game, and then the winners of those get the eight seed, and then somebody's eliminated after that. So I, I had to kind of re-familiarize myself with the play-in tournament, which has this taken off for you or not really? Not really. No. I- I wanted it to this year because um, I thought the teams, the, the four teams in the East were pretty good. Uh, the teams in the West were not. I was really kind of, I was pulling for Cleveland. I would have liked to have seen Cleveland get the seven, um, but they couldn't handle Brooklyn. Not a surprise. Cleveland's a young team, first time in this situation. Kind of been bogged down by some injuries. Um then I was really, really, really hoping that they were going to beat Atlanta because I can't stand Trey Young. But that didn't happen. He went off in that game in the second half, and, and they, they got the eight seed. Um, the West wasn't very good. It was uh, Minnesota beat the Clippers, which was fine, and then the Clippers choked <clears throat> against the Pelicans, and now you have a, like, what, a 34-48 and 48 Pelican team is the eight seed? I mean, I don't know. Is that good? Eh. <laughs> I mean, you know, if if the the Clippers were I think 40 and 42, so it's not a huge difference, mm-hmm. but I don't know, 14 games under 500, you still make the playoffs like that's a little much. So we'll get let's get to the Bucks in just a little bit, but let's just kind of go in order of of the games that were played. So let's start on Saturday when the playoffs uh officially started with the draw. Um Doncic has what a strained calf? Mhm. So he didn't play, and the Mavericks lost. Is that a pretty even 5-4, do you think? I, I thought Utah was actually better than than Dallas from what I had seen all year. Did they kind of fall off? or uh, Dallas, did, did Dallas... Dallas is good. Dallas okay. kind of picked it up. Um, they're, they're pretty close, I think, with a healthy Luka. This is maybe a six-game series. Okay. But, um, 
you know, I don't believe he's going to play tonight <clears throat> in game two. So Dallas could be down 0-2 going to Utah, which would be a pretty tough spot because now you got to win four out of five, and, mm-hmm. and obviously your best player is not 100%. Right. So uh, I, I, I didn't watch a ton of this game. It was kind of a boring one. It, that, that first playoff game on noon on Saturday is usually not great. It, it, midday NBA games usually aren't great. <laughs> Those they're just not used to playing that at that right. time of day. You know, it usually only happens on a Sunday. Um, so that I I didn't watch a ton of that one. I was still partly in a coma from the from the <laughs> illness, so I was kind of in and out of it uh, on the couch. Um, this, this next one I barely saw any of because I was. But were you surprised at the final score? Timberwolves beat the Grizz. <clears throat> Uh, a little bit. I thought Memphis would win game one at home, but I think that's going to be a long series. I really do. Um, Minnesota, and that's another something something we should talk about back to the playing sure. game. Minnesota um, beats the Clippers mm-hmm. in the playing game to get the seventh seed, and they celebrate. It was a little over the top. They're raining down confetti, and guys are jumping on the scorer's table and throwing their jersey in the crowd, acting kind of like they won the title. And a lot of people in the media and even some of the older former players like Barkley and Kenny and Shaq were really making fun of Minnesota for this a lot. And uh, you and I had texted about it a little bit. I wasn't sure how, like, what to think. I just saw their reaction, and they're they're the benchmark for me. So I, mm-hmm. I sent you the clip. I didn't like the reaction to it. I thought the making fun of the Timberwolves was out of line. Um, and this is an argument that I've had with the national media as a small market NBA fan. The national media would always tell you, as a small market fan. It's better to be in the lottery every year and suck and keep trying to get a kick at the can for the for a for Some a LeBron or or a, you know one of those type of Tim Duncan one of these generational guys. But I and I and I understand the point of that is you know you're never going to withdraw the top you know Kevin Durant's never going to leave the Warriors and go to Milwaukee he's going to leave to go to Brooklyn you know. LeBron's never going to leave Cleveland to go to Milwaukee. He's going to go to Miami or L.A. So I understand the premise, but it's like, you know what, dude? And I look at this Bulls team this year as a prime example of it. Sometimes you just need to have a competitive team. Sometimes your fan base needs to know that the people that are running the team, that they actually kind of give a shit about their product. And Kevin Garnett got traded 18 years ago, I think, or like 15 years ago, something like that. They had only made the playoffs. This is only the second time they've made the playoffs in 18 years. Um, so I understand the excitement. I remember in 2010 with the Fear the Deer Bucks with Bogut, the year Bogut's elbow fell off when they were really good, and then that happened. But they had John Salmons and Delfino and, and Brandon Jennings, and they took the Hawks to seven that year in the first round, and that was really fun. That was the most fun Buck team since 01. It had been almost 10 years since they made that run to the conference finals, and the fan base needed something. We needed something to get excited about. You know, and then it was just it was a flash in the pan, and then you had to wait a couple years, and then we got Giannis and yada, yada, yada. Um, you know, Minnesota had to wait a long time post-Garnett. 
You know, they drafted Carl Anthony Towns. They uh, they traded for Jimmy Butler. That didn't work out. They spent a lot of money on D'Angelo Russell, and then they finally got a number one, another number one pick in Anthony Edwards two years ago, and it looks like they got something going here. I don't know that they're ever going to make the finals, but I think that for the next five years, they're going to be a competitive playoff team in the West. And you know what? That's okay. It gets back to what what our 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 listener Ian was giving me shit about with the Packers. It's all about perspective of your team. Mm-hmm. When you're when you're a team like the Packers and you have the best player in the league, or now with the Bucks, when you're a team like the Bucks and you have the best player in the league, the expectation is finals or bust or Super Bowl or bust. When three years ago, when the Bucks first got good and they lost to Toronto. The media expectations was final or bust, but for real Buck fans, it was like, holy shit, we just made the conference finals with this dude who's 23 as our best guy. He hasn't even figured it out yet. Minnesota's fans are looking at it going, Anthony Edwards is 20. Can't even drink a beer yet. (laughs) Carl Towns is like 23. Maybe he's finally putting it together. We got a new coach, and we got some new ownership coming in, including A-Rod. And maybe we're turning something around here. Maybe we're going to be a viable contender now for the next several years. That's exciting. I I don't know why that's something to be made fun of. I mean, as fans, we always talk about, you know, we want our athletes to care as much as we do. One of the big knocks on the NBA has always been these guys don't care. They don't play hard. They only play in the fourth quarter, yada, yada, yada. Well, that showed me they cared. Those guys cared a lot. I mean, like Patrick Beverly's on the floor crying. Um, so I, I don't know. I think people that were making fun of that, I think you're missing the point, honestly. Well, it, I, I, I Clearly, they didn't think it of it in terms of what you had lined out to me and just kind of expounded on right there. I mean, it was just more of like, we know the quality of team you have. We see your record. It doesn't match up with your what you're celebrating. Like They didn't take all that into account, but they're also part of the national media that frame those types yes. of, you know, frame those types of thoughts the for, for people to consume. The Sacramento Kings haven't made the playoffs since 2004. That was my last year playing basketball at Whitewater. That tells you how long ago that was. If they make the playoffs next year, they ought to shut the city down and throw a fucking parade. <laughs> I don't care if they're the I don't care if they're thirty four and forty eight, the tenth seed in the play in and do what the Pelicans did and get the eighth seed and get swept. I don't care. Cause there's a fa- that's the whole reason we go to the games. That's why we pay the money. Yes. Yeah. And no. still support teams that are in those monster slumps you know, like listen, that. We've talked about it before. We're we're in our early forties. We grew up in the in the in the late eighties and the nineties when we were going to County Stadium and we were going to the Bradley Center, but we weren't going to watch our team. We were going to see Ken Griffey Jr., Bonds, Clemens, McGuire, McGuire Jordan, Bird, Barkley, Shaq. Yep. Yeah. It's nice to be able to go and, and have your own guys to root for. So well said. Good job. You want to just take the rest of the podcast off? No, because my throat will fall out of my out of my neck. That was good. All right. Um, and then Philly beat Toronto. Kind of no no surprise. I was there. a little surprised at the score. Okay, but uh, Maxi for Philly kind of went ballistic. He had thirty eight. Um, unfortunately, Scotty Barnes, uh, Toronto's really good rookie, rolled his ankle, and it sounds like he's going to miss tonight. <clears throat> I have a feeling. I thought that was going to be a real problem for Philly, but. 
this one is shaping up to be a short series. Okay. And then uh, the last game uh, out west, Golden State uh, knocked off Denver, um, and they're playing tonight as well. This will be a five-gamer, I think. Yeah. Um, Denver just doesn't have the firepower to keep up. I mean, when, when Golden State, especially at home, when they start getting rolling and them threes are falling, it's just it's just an avalanche. All right, so then all the games that were played on Sunday, um, we'll, uh, we'll head back to the Bucks. They had a 16-point lead. I watched the first half. Um, it was not pretty. Um, even though they, they, they built up that lead, and they'd come down and knock some, some threes down, but there was a lot of clanking, a um, lot of bad outside shooting that I saw, um, but I, I didn't. You know, I I couldn't watch the second half because we were doing some some family stuff. But I was a little bit surprised when I clicked it back on. I think it was in the early in the fourth quarter, and I went, "Wait a minute, the Bulls are winning." So I mean, you watch probably the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So I guess uh, I, I know the Bucks turnover numbers were monstrous. The Bulls shot I think thirty two percent from the floor and were abysmal from three. Um, but uh, kind of take me through like what happened there. <laughs> well. The Bucks seem to have one of these a series in the playoffs. Um, they had it a couple years ago, game one against Boston. They got their ass blown out of the gym. Then they turned around and won the next four. They had the one in the bubble against Orlando where they lost, and then they turned around and won the next four. Last year, they sucked in game one against Miami, and Middleton saved their ass with a buzzer beater. And then they swept the series. Lost the first two terribly against the Nets. Won the series. Lost the first game at home when Trey Young had like 48. Won the series. And then obviously lost the first two in the finals. Won the series. Hmm. So there's a little precedent for the Bucks starting slowly in a series is my long-winded point. Um well, Holiday even said afterwards, five days of five days of rest equated to some rust, and it and it was on both teams. And DeRozan said the same thing in his post game that it, both teams were were rusty. Um, I think the Bucks shot forty percent, and the only reason their percentage, I think they were forty from overall, twenty eight from three. Bulls were thirty three overall, eighteen from three. The only reason the Bucks were up around forty is because they dominated the paint. Uh, the shooting, the jump shooting from both teams was just really bad. Um, you know, Giannis uh, started out on fire. I think he had like 11 points and eight rebounds in the first quarter. Um, got so in he, foul trouble. He played well. He got in foul trouble. Um, Lopez played well. Holiday had a couple of moments in the fourth quarter. Portis had 10 and 12 mm-hmm. for a double-double. But other that that was about it. That Nobody else really played very well. Um Nothing from Grayson Allen, almost nothing from Connaughton. You got one jump shot from Javon Carter, who was in because George Hill's hurt again. Shocker. Um, uh, Holiday, I, I was really surprised at his lack of aggressiveness. I thought that this was a series he would have a really good matchup. Um, and Middleton was a was a disaster. And he's another one. He has these games where like he can't hang on to the ball. And he can't make a shot. And Bucks had 21 turnovers. Middleton had seven. Giannis had five. Holiday had four. 16 turnovers out of your big three. You got to cut that in half. 
That's got to be around eight or nine, about three a guy. You can live with that when they're playing 40 minutes in a playoff game, but 16 is too many, and over 20 as a team, no excuse for that. Um, I I just, you know, even when it was going on, I, I wasn't getting riled up about it at all, honestly, when I was watching the game because I, I am in no fear of them losing the series. I just, you know... What they've won seventeen in a row, 17 or seventeen out of eighteen, out of 18 yep. against the Bulls, swept them this year, so they're five and zero against them. Mm-hmm. It's just hard to believe the Bulls are just going to figure it out and they're going to be able to win four of the next six games. I just don't see it. Um, but I saw somebody afterwards, or was it during the game, on how they approached Giannis. I think it might have been a, a six seventy, the score guy down in Chicago. Um, he said, "You better pray that these other Bucks guys don't figure it out or start getting hot because the Bulls are going to have to put so many dudes yeah. on Giannis, and they're just going to turn some guys loose, and you're going to get open shots. Like you can stay competitive; these guys all stay cold, but there's not a great chance of that happening. No, and and I I actually thought the Bulls did a pretty good job on Giannis for the most part. Um, when he was getting it in the post, <clears throat> they were running two and three guys at him, and you know I think that's going to be something you're going to see." Until these other guys make jump shots. Allen, Connaughton, Middleton, Holiday, Lopez, Portis. We know they're capable. We've seen them do it. Seen them do it in the finals. Uh, but they did not shoot well the other night. And, you know, the Bucks, like I said, they've they've had games like this in the regular season. And they've had some in the playoffs. So it's not too too shocking to see. All right. Game two is coming up on Wednesday night. You thought that that was... I think was, this goes five. I was just going to say, so you you feel that they had an opportunity that they yeah. that, that they kind of pissed away there. Yeah, and I mean, look, DeRozan was six for 25. Levine was in foul trouble. Um, so the Bulls can also say we didn't play really that well either. But you know the Bucks are going to play better in game two. They're, they're just going to. They're going to shoot the ball better. Um, Middleton is going to shoot better. You expect, I mean, Giannis had 27 and 14, and it didn't even really feel like he played that well. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Other than the first quarter. So, you know, I, I could DeRozan get hot in one of the two, I you know, in game three and drop 40? I could see it. I could see him winning one of the two games at the United Center, but that's it. Games else uh, elsewhere on Sunday. Um Kind of no real surprise that the Heat beat the Hawks mm-hmm. uh, in that. Yeah, I think this one has got a very, very good chance of being a sweep. Okay. Uh, Miami's Miami's very good. And <clears throat> unless Trey Young goes ballistic, it's just really hard for Atlanta to beat good teams. You know, they just don't have a second guy. They've got some other good players, mm-hmm. but they don't really have a second guy that you can pencil in like, all right, well, you know, Bogdanovich is going to get 20. No, he could get 20, but he could get seven. Right. So I'm just not sure they can keep up. Boston gets a layup. Nice spin move mm-hmm. uh, by, by Tatum. I, I watched the end of that game, and I was <laughs> surprised that they, once I saw the score was really close, I, I, I flipped it on. And a one-point win for the Celtics over, uh, over Brooklyn, um, kind of defeating uh, Kyrie Irving's great, uh, great game. So I hate Boston. I hate all Boston teams, really, as a matter of fact. I mean, you know, obviously nobody likes the Patriots. I mean, nobody wants to cheer for Red Sox and Yankees unless, you know, unlike, you know, Michael, who's got a family connection. But most people around here aren't really any Red Sox fans. No. Um, 
And, you know, I always hated the Celtics growing up because they would beat the Bucks in the playoffs and then have to play my, my guy Magic in the final. So I always hated Boston. But there's only two people that will get me to cheer for Boston, and it's uh, LeBron James and Kyrie Irving. When their teams are playing the Celtics, I am a Celtic fan. He has turned into just a huge villain. Kyrie, yeah. He, um, he really has. <clears throat> well, first of all, great game. Um, Kyrie was unbelievable pulling shots out of everywhere. Uh, KD did not play well, shot poorly, just only had like four rebounds. <clears throat> Boston's really good, man. I mean, they had a couple of guys give them some throwback performances. Al Horford had 20, Smart had 20. You know, usually those guys are about going to combine for 20. So they, they might have played a little bit over their head. But they played well. They got a good team. Tatum and Brown are, are a really good duo. They're well-coached. They play good defense. They're very, very fortunate that they won because I think if Boston had lost that series, that was going to be over in in five or six. I really thought it would be tough for them to lose home court. I think I think it's probably a seven-game series, and I think game seven at, at Boston is going to be a huge advantage for them. Is that going to take those, the wind out of the sails of, hope. of, of either team that goes on to the semis? And, and that was why I was so much okay with what the Bucks did at the end of the regular season because it's like, listen, if you can beat the, the, the Bulls in five and get an extra couple of days of rest while these two are beating the shit out of each other in a knockdown drag out, you know, I think that's one of the reasons why Atlanta beat the Bucks last year in game one of the conference finals. The Bucks and Nets beat the dog shit out of each other for two weeks. And then all of a sudden you got to play Atlanta, and it just it's a little different. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a, it was a cool play at the end of Busby. I didn't think he got it off in real time, so I was very happy that 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 was confirmed that he did. But um, you know, Kyrie Irving again, the petulant child that he is, um, double you know, finger, double finger behind his head to the crowd, flipped the crowd off a second time. <laughs> There's been reports that he told the fan to suck his D as he was walking saw, off into the tunnel. I saw, I, I, I saw the clip. Kyrie sucks, yep. my dick. Yeah, like really. Um, you know, yeah. and then his comments in the post game where, <clears throat> you know, he he basically, I, I kind of thought he was challenging the Boston fans a little bit to to bring it more, um, because I don't know why else you would kind of take shots at the fan base, especially that fan base, if you're not looking to egg something on, but it's just funny, man, with, with a guy like Kyrie, like, you know, he, he thinks he's the smartest guy in the room Mm -hmm. and he wants so badly for you to, to think he's smart and like this enlightened guy, but he's so stupid. (laughs) Like who, who does, who flips somebody off with two fingers behind their head? That's over the age of nine. I don't know that I've ever seen it. No. I, I, I just, you know, if you want to be the villain, be the villain. But you act like the villain and then you go into the press conference. You're like, well, I don't know why everybody's mad at me. You, you Really? You Seri- don't? Serious lack of self-awareness. Totally. Totally. He's... He, would, he is a guy that I am very, very glad that I will never have to root for him being on my team. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he's a he's a phenomenal player, you know, but that's one guy that I don't think they'd touch with a 10 foot pole if even if they had the opportunity. Well, and it's weird, too, because all the players in the NBA seem to really like him, like people like want to play with him. 
but there's this disconnect and and it's I was thinking about it today and and I think it's a little generational because th- these guys now that are in the NBA that are in their 20s or around 30 the american guys they grew up at the tail end of the Jordan era into the Shaq Kobe LeBron era right well <clears throat> they were fans of guys not teams and I think there's I think there's a disconnect there somewhere where like Kyrie Irving is a known Kobe zealot. Like he worships Kobe, always worshiped Kobe. And Kobe was the same way with Jordan. Kobe worshiped Jordan. And and that was part of David Stern's plan in the nineties to to market, you know, it wasn't the Bulls versus the Lakers, it was Magic versus Michael. You know, all that marketing stuff where you're trying to take the individual star and that's kind of what we're watching. But, you know, I'm a Buck fan. I love Giannis, but if Giannis was on the Hawks, I wouldn't have $1,000 worth of graded Giannis cards in my basement. Right. Probably shouldn't have said that out loud. I was well, just... <laughs> but my point is, <clears throat> I'm only a Giannis fan and, and love Giannis and the person that he is because he's on I'm the Bucks. Bucks. Because if he wasn't on the Bucks, I wouldn't be paying attention to that he'd shit. He'd be another dude. He'd he'd be he'd be like Embiid. I like Embiid, but I don't. I don't. I'm not cheering for Philadelphia to win anything. I don't right. give a shit about them. I like Jokic, but I'm not rooting for Denver. I'm a Buck fan. Where I think these guys in this generation, they're fans of players, and because players are constantly moving now, well, why would I? If I'm a Chris Paul fan, Chris Paul's been on like four teams in the last seven years. If I'm a James Harden fan, he's been on three teams in three years, two years. Right. You know, so I love Anthony Davis. Well, but he's on the Pelicans, and now I'm a Pelican fan, and now he gets traded to the Lakers, and now I love the Lakers. Like, that's just kind of the way these guys operate now. And I think we're, I think it is generational because I see people on Twitter, and when, when I, I remember talking to some of the kids when we would interview for halftime guests, and it was more about the guy they liked than the team they liked. Mm-hmm. And and I think that, you know, people our age, we rooted for the laundry. With a few exceptions. There's a few, but most most people our age, we cheer for our team. Yes. Uh, we It doesn't necessarily have to be the local team. You know, there's oh, I, right. we know people that are cowboy fans or something like but that. They will stay but they're being cowboy that, fans. Correct. They will stay being that fan no matter what happens. They're not like, I became a cowboy fan because Tony Romo was the quarterback and Tony Romo's from Wisconsin, and so I connect those dots, and now that Tony Romo's not there, I'm not a cowboy fan. No, 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 no. They were always a cowboy fan. Just so happened this kid from Wisconsin was their quarterback. That's really cool. And then he leaves, and there's still a cowboy fan. I don't. I don't think these players that are playing today. I don't think they operated that way in their NBA fandom as kids. It just. I don't know. It doesn't seem that way. I've never heard Kevin Durant tell me who his favorite team was growing up. Right. But I've heard him talk about guys that he loved. That's a good question to pose to athletes in high school going forward. If we ever get to you know talk to some for some future half times, you know, are you a fan of the team or are you a fan of a well, player? And I'm sure right now a lot of let's just say basketball yeah, since players in, in in this state. I bet if you polled most basketball players in high school, their favorite they would say the Bucks are their favorite team. 
but the Bucks are good and they have Giannis. Let's ask them the same question in 10 years when Giannis is retired and maybe they're back to being Herb Cole-ish in terms of, you know, right. 37, 38 wins a year. Are they you're still your favorite team or have you moved on because you like Johnny Davis and Johnny Davis is on the Bulls? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. No, that's 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 a valid point. All right, um, one last game that happened on Sunday, uh, the Suns and the Pelicans. Yeah, this is a sweep. I, th- th- this one, I'll be shocked if the Pelicans get okay. a game. So um, The awards finalists were also announced. It's uh, Giannis, Jokic, and uh, Embiid for the uh, MVP. I didn't really look at the others. Was there anything that you uh, kind of noticed or were kind of surprised by on in, in those? Well, Player of the Year, the finalists are, are Mikhail Bridges on the Suns, Rudy Gobert on the Jazz, Marcus Smart on Boston. It was just announced that Marcus Smart won. Little surprised Giannis wasn't on there, but hard to argue with these three guys. Um, but other than that, you know, not, not, nothing really surprising. Tyler Hero's probably going to win sixth man of the year. Um, Good for him. But, yeah, other than that, right. just, uh, just the one uh, – one finalist thing for Giannis. Got three games tonight, Jazz and Mavs, um, Raptors and <laughs> Sixers, and then the Nuggets and the Warriors. Yep. All right, uh, baseball. We haven't even talked since the season started. No. I, I don't think. So, um, Brewers off to a 5-5 five and five start. Got got a little rocky to start with with the, with the trip to Wrigley. They won two out of three against the Orioles, and they split four um, with, with the Cardinals. But... You know, it's it's one of those things that we talked about last year a lot, and not much was done about it this year. Um, and you kind of think it's the same team that's that's kind of built this way. It's you're going to have to win a lot of one, two, maybe three run games, and maybe you can get an offensive explosion when hits are contagious and you know stuff's just flying out of the park, and that's great. But you're not going to be able to count on that because this is not going to be a very high-scoring team. You've got a great pitching staff. You've got, well, so far, I mean, you've got, you know, the front three guys. Um, got a little problem in the in the eighth-inning spot uh, at this point, but it's early. And then as long as you can get to Hayter, I, I think that's so far pretty good. But um, I don't know. what. I guess what are your first impressions? I really like the McCutcheon signing. I love watching that dude bat. I really do. Professional hitter. I love his approach. Mm-hmm. Just seeing him get the barrel, uh, hold the barrel back and get the get the handle out and just slap it to right field. I mean, that's freaking awesome. Yeah. It yeah. really is. <clears throat> five and five, like you said, have not really played well, I don't think, at all. Um, you know, went two and one against Baltimore. Could have easily been one and two. And if you stretched it, could have been 0 and three against a really, really Pretty bad team. Um, shut out twice. Held the one run twice. Obviously lost all four of those. Um, but, yeah, this offense, it's going to be... It, it, the Brewers are going to be good. They're going to be like last year. They're going to win 90-ish games. They're going to make the playoffs because half the league makes the playoffs. And the Central's bad. But I don't really... I don't really look at them as a viable World Series contender because I don't believe they can hit good pitching. I just don't. They can get good pitching, but you got to be able to hit. Well, we good saw pitching. that in the playoffs right. last year. They their their pitching for the really was fine against Atlanta. They just couldn't score. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And, you know, I mean, I'm sorry, you know, Brewer fans. Uh, I, 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 you got to show me. You got to show me. And, you know, right now, your three best hitters have been Victor Caratini, who's only on your team because the, the other idiot because the other idiot got suspended for 80 years because he's trying to knock his wife up allegedly. It's like who takes Venezuelan fertility pills and doesn't think there's extra shit in it? <laughs> Come on, man. That's not FDA regulated is what you're saying. Come on, man. Not that. And yeah. Caratini, I like him. I liked him when he was on the Cubs. I think he's actually I mean, I, I I'm not sure he's any worse than Narvaez, honestly. Considering the pickup and the timeliness of it, I was like Oh, okay. I know they gave up a couple guys out of their system that they didn't really want to have to give up, but you know you're, you got to do what you got to do. You're in a position that you you just need somebody. At so that he's point. been pretty good. Telez has been pretty solid, and then McCutcheon, as we as we just talked about, you know the guy's a professional hitter. He he's he's not going to hit for a super high average, but he's got some pop, and he's smart. He knows what he's doing. Um, unfortunately, Yelich continues to struggle. Six for thirty. Three doubles. Those are his only extra base hits. Two RBIs. Um, you know, it feels like when he hits the ball, he he he's made solid contact this year. He had a he had a bomb um, to uh, to dead center that he got a double on on opening day. That I was there, sounded great, came off like a rocket, looked like the old Yelich. But at the same time, a lot of swing and misses. Um, I, I'm, I think we talked about this. I'm sure we talked about this last year. And I know it's early; we're only ten games in. I'm not certain that dropping him down to that five or six spot wouldn't be the best thing for him. And people would say that's ridiculous. He's making all this money. You signed him. You know, he's a former MVP. You signed him to be your three hole hitter. Yada yada yada. But some people aren't necessarily built to be looked at that way. And I think Braun was built that way. And I think he embraced it. And I think even after his whole PED scandal, I don't think he wavered in embracing being that guy. And I think that the two years that Yelich was really good with the Brewers, he had a couple guys in the lineup like Braun and Mustakis. And Mustakis, in his own right, I don't think he cares about you thinking that he's supposed to be that guy. I'm not sure Yelich is built that way. Yelich is a very good baseball player. It's undeniable. You you don't you don't have the kind of years that he's had if you're not any good. It's that's not luck. I don't think he's a 40 homer guy. I think that was a little fluky. I think he's a 25 ish homer guy. You know. Maybe around a 300 hitter kind of guy, not necessarily 330, like he hit those two first two years, but maybe dropping him down, taking a little pressure off. Um, so then, who who do you put there? McC- I would put you could put McCutcheon there. That was kind of the one that just came. I think you could do that. First off, I, I to think, my mind, I think if Telez continues to hit, you could put him there if you wanted to do some righty lefty stuff. If you wanted McCutcheon to protect him. Um, I think they have a few options. Unfortunately, you know, you could have maybe said Willie Adamas was an option, but he is stunk this year so far. So I don't think you'd want to put him in that spot. Um, him and him and Colton Wong right now combined fourteen for seventy three with twenty one strikeouts. <laughs> and you want to wonder why they're not scoring. Those guys aren't getting on. Um, 
So I don't know. I mean, obviously, we're we're a week and a half into the season. This we got five and a half months left, so there's no point in in no, pulling your hair out right now. Why but I'm I'm not the the the, the problem with Yelich is it's. This is now season three. We had the pandemic where he wasn't very good. We had last year where he was okay, and now he's off to another slow start. And people are people are looking around, going, "What? What's up with this guy?" Mm-hmm. You know, paying him a lot of money. We need we need more. I'm not saying you got to be the MVP, but we need more consistency. You need to be that fulcrum in the middle of the lineup that Council can kind of balance everything around right now they don't really have that right you know and and i get as pissed off at at council as anybody about all the yanking in and out of lineup that he does with these guys but i think part of it is it they're just they're looking for something you know and it's early on you got to try a couple of combinations before you something kind of yeah fits and sets and then you can say then you can go to it yeah you know and and you the spots just kind of fill in themselves and the you know the pitching's been pretty good. Uh, yeah, Bur- Burns and Hauser and yep. Ashby have been good. Yep, they've had they've had some spots, but mm-hmm. like Council says, you know, you you pitch through it, then you turn a corner, and then they're fine. You know, well Woodruff sucked his first outing, yep. and then he was better on opening day, and I thought he actually pitched better than what he got credit for on opening day because he was getting squeezed. Yeah, I saw that, and he was and he was hot about it, and he should have been. Um, Freddie Peralta has not had a good start to the season, and that's he's 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 gone through those bouts. We've mm-hmm. seen him. He'll have two or three shit starts in a row, and then he'll come out and strike out twelve guys. So, I, I think he'll be okay. Um, obviously, Hater's been been lights out. It was so funny though watching the game yesterday. So Devin Williams continues to be a disaster in the eighth. I yeah. think the last three times out, I think he's got to thirty pitches. Sounds right. He's really, really struggling to find the strike zone. His ERA is at 12 right now. So he's his bases are loaded. There's two outs. He walks a guy in yesterday at 6-5, to five, right? And Council brings in Gott or wh- right. whoever the hell yeah. this guy is to get the last out of the eighth, and then they go to Hayter in the ninth. Hayter picks up his 100 save as a Brewer. I think only like Plesak and maybe Fingers are ahead of him or something like that. Maybe Axford too. I don't remember. But <clears throat> it was funny. My dad says to me today, he goes, is Hayter the best clo- reliever in Brewer history? I said, well, him or Fingers, right? And my dad's like, well, he's got him. And my dad said, he goes, I think he's got more saves than, than Fingers. And he's got, you know, he's been an all-star every year. He's been the reliever of the year a couple times. But it's like, yeah, but. Raleigh Fingers used to get, like, eight guys out. <laughs> right. Like, they had the bases loaded, two outs, and they couldn't bring Hayter in because we don't like to bring him in in the middle of the inning. Man. We don't like to have him come in with people on base. We don't like to have to make him sit in the dugout. And it's like, man, it's just ain't, it just ain't. It's hard to compare these guys because they're, they're, the differences are staggering. Was it a couple of years ago? I seem to remember them employing, like, the eighth and the ninth inning for Hader. They asked him to get four or five outs, and they did it, I'm not going to say frequently, 
But they did it a few times where it's like you were kind of surprised that they would do that, but you kind of liked that. And then all of a sudden you figured out that that just wasn't a good idea. And now they have exclusively stayed away from and, it. And it's not, this isn't just a Josh Hader thing. This is, this is what most teams do now. They're, they're, they're not going to bring their closer in in a situation like that. But it's just, you know, it's, it's hard to compare Raleigh Fingers and Lee Smith and Goose Gossage and Billy Wagner oh, and, good and one. to the guys now because those guys would get five, seven outs for you. Mm-hmm. No way now. No. Just not going to happen. No, especially with guys like Council who are very much regimented and set in their ways. And, well, they're, and they, they do the analytics. And the analytics stuff. You know? I mean, geez, what, I, what was it, last week when um, – who was the who was the no hitter? I'm I'm, I'm blanking. Oh, uh, Kershaw, perfect game. Yeah, Kershaw, and he got yanked. And Wilbon just went absolutely off the rails on PTI the next day. I mean, he was you know the, these people that study these charts, they've never played. They just do the analytics, and he just just says flat out they are ruining the game. Well, for it, fans, it, it it almost it's almost in the same vein as. Um, the T-Wolf reaction after their game for me. <clears throat> if I'm a Dodger fan, I think it was in L.A. If I'm a Dodger fan, and I paid to go to that game, and it's the eighth inning and Clayton Kershaw's got a, a perfect game going, I don't, I don't give a shit about October right now. I got a chance to see a perfect game. There's only been like 30 of them ever in the... 100,000 baseball games that are on record. What are you doing? Like, you're robbing me of the of the experience that I want to see and, and I'm paying for. Like, we're this era of, like, media and all this shit is so hyper-focused on the title that we've rendered everything else meaningless. Right. And, 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 it, and we do it. We've, we've done it on this. I make fun of the Packers about their division titles. But, like, nobody gives a shit about a division title in the NBA. Doesn't even, barely even registers. Like, a lot of teams don't even freaking put a banner up for that shit. I asked you a couple of weeks ago, like, just did when, when they clinched the Central, or, yeah. like, do, is this still a thing? Yeah. You know, like, division titles? Like, well, yeah. They, they still exist, but right. nobody cares. They're no. not selling division championship shirts. Right. But, like, you know what, dude? The, the Bucks just won their fourth straight division title. Like, that's cool. That means you've been good. Right. You know? I don't know. I'm ranting. Oh, Sorry. No, that's good. That's good. That's uh, that's that's about our. I think Devin Williams though might be getting the uh, hero treatment here pretty soon. Where we'll may... send, send him down. Might have to figure it out a little bit and then then come on back. Just put him in a room with soft walls. That's one bay. It's like why don't you just go? Why don't you just go find a soft spot yeah. in the wall? <laughs> Maybe get him a punching bag yeah. down in the down in the clubhouse. Let him go to work a little bit. <laughs> Um, Brewers, last, well, Brewers and Pirates tonight. Yeah, and the the last thing to touch on. All right. Uh, the attendance has been interesting. Um, so now I saw opening day. That was the day of the high wind advisory, and they encouraged people to not put up their tents. Right, right. So did that scare away some people from tailgating in the cold temperatures and that wind stuff? Well, or are you just talking overall for their first homestand? Uh, both. Okay. But I mean, um, 
the game was at four. I got into the parking lot a little after two. It's the least amount of people I've seen at an opening day two hours before the game that I can remember. And how many opening days have you been? 27, I think, in a right. row. So that, that's saying something. So that's saying something. It was windier than shit. Nobody had tents up. The people that were trying to, to, to grill out, it, it was, it was a very futile no effort. Way. Um. So, yeah, that, that could have been an impact. Um. But... It's one of those things. Usually opening day, because everybody's partying, the stadium doesn't even really fill up to about the third inning. But it still didn't really fill up this year to like the third or fourth inning, and that kind of goes against what I just said about people not really being right. out there tailgating. So I'm not sure. I don't know if it was the 4 o'clock start. Sounds like a Badger football I, I don't know. but And most of the people that were there were not watching the game. They were all out on the concourse. Cause, Shocking. Yeah. Cause but that's, that's that's opening day. It's opening day. That's right. But uh, a guy I work with went yesterday, and he said, he goes, there was maybe 23,000, 25,000 people there. So say stadium's half full. Yeah. And that's on a Sunday on your first home stand against the Cardinals. That should be full. Uh, it, it should. It should be closer to 40. Yes. Yeah. Maybe not full, but it should be closer to 40. Well, not- the guy I work with. He he's a he's a seventy two year old guy. He's an absolute diehard baseball fan. Loves the Brewers, and he just said he goes. I know a lot of people that this this latest labor thing really pissed him off. Absolutely, absolutely. So as the year goes on, will will people come back? Probably. Yeah. As the weather gets warmer and sure. school gets out and all that stuff, but yeah, I, I I don't think the the Brewers would certainly never say it, but I bet they were a little disappointed this weekend because Brewer Cardinals. I saw on Twitter today they're running a promotion. They're selling six dollar Brewer Cub tickets this week. No way, six dollar. That's like a cover charge to go to a bad band at a bar. <laughs> six dollars for a Brewer Cub game? Those, no. like those things are normally damn near sold out. Yes. all the time. No, you can't. You usually can't get them. So that that's that's interesting. Just hmm. just something to keep your eye on. It all may right. it may mean nothing in the long run, but just okay. kind of interesting here early on. All right, we've hit the hour mark. Let's uh, let's fly through so, a couple of things you want to touch on. I mean, uh, it's it's early on for yeah. baseball. I mean, the West, the NL West division races. You know, it's going to be Giants and Dodgers. I would think at that point, the Mets are going to be good. Everybody's saying that uh, after this year, that's where Stearns is going. Um, yeah, it's over, possible. Over to New York. I mean, that, that's already a popular yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, and then and then the president of the Cincinnati Reds is is making friends. Yeah, so I don't know if most people remember, but over the offseason, like the Reds traded away all their good guys except mm-hmm. Votto. They gave away Suarez. They gave away Winkler. I think they might have traded Sonny Gray. They gave away a bunch of guys. Well, they're 2-8 and eight to start the season. <laughs> and I, I don't know if it was on like a like a call-in show or, or, or what it was on, or but the, the president and CEO of the Reds, was asked basically, what do you say to your fan base who's pissed off that you gutted this team that was, you know, they were, I think, in contention for the second wild card relatively late into the year. So, you know, you make a tweak here or there, and now with the expanded playoffs, maybe you get into the playoffs. Right. But they decided to go the other way. And when he was asked what he would say to the to the fans, he basically told them to kick rocks. And he said, where are you going to go if you don't like it? Like, you know, are you going to go be a fan of somebody else? Like, you know, be careful what you wish for. This team could be gone and all this kind of stuff. That doesn't endear you to a fan base. No. Especially um, a fan base like Cincinnati, who's a, 
pretty hardcore baseball city. And that franchise, you know, they had a couple of decent years about 10 years ago when Votto and uh, Jay Bruce were there. And uh, But other than that, it's been a long time since they've been in a, a real contender. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just interesting that, the president would come out and say something like that. I don't, that's not, it wouldn't be interesting if the real president came out and said something stupid, but the <laughs> Reds president saying something, that's a little surprising. Right. All right. There's there's some baseball. A couple of college hoops notes. Uh, yeah, we, just to put a ball on we, it. We went through the the, the tournament. Uh, Kansas took the took home the title. Final four was, was good. The Duke-UNC game was, was ridiculous. It was great, wasn't it? Yes. I mean, it was... Uh, it, it was everything that people should expect from a Final Four game with two Blue Bloods who had never met in the tournament before, yeah. which I thought was uh, the be- biggest, best nugget that I've only, heard in a long time. Only the second time they were ever in the Final Four at the same time. The other one was 91 uh, when when Coach K won his first title. But, um, yeah, I, I just I thought the Final Four itself was great. Kansas-Villanova game was pretty good. Unfortunately, the good kid for Villanova had gotten hurt in the yeah. previous game. He couldn't play. So, I mean, they kept it competitive, but it was pretty obvious Kansas was going to win. Yeah, the Duke-Carolina game, just back and forth, high intensity, guys making plays. You know, it's funny. You know, Coach K and Duke, everybody hates him. Everybody, you know, pisses and moans about him, this and that and the other. But, oh man, man, you know, when it was his last game and you realize, like, hey, dude, this is – Probably the greatest college basketball coach, at least of the modern era, if not all time, him or John Wooden. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 a big loss. It's a big loss for the sport. And um, you know whether you love Duke or you hate Duke, which most people do, <laughs> you still got to tip your hat to Coach K. I mean, it's hard. You know, I, I think it's one of those. I, I think Saban's going to be the same way when he goes. Sure. I mean, all the all the Alabama haters. You know, in 15, 20 years after he's gone, you're going to look back and go, that guy ruled. That guy, how how did, were they in the national title game like every year for a decade? He ruled the best conference in college football. Dominated. Consistently. It. And the same thing with Duke. Like, they were a top five or ten team for like 28 of the last 30 years. Mm-hmm. And and that's, you know, you're not going to win the title every year in college. It's one and done. Your shit, shit happens, but... Just to be that consistently good is pretty amazing. So the transfer portal is again working for Wisconsin, and we can we can get to this uh, a little bit later when we kind of wrap things up. But um, I haven't talked to our, our guy Ben Wargel um, because we kind of said adios once the once the Badger basketball team lost in the tournament. But I'd be curious to know if he knows anything about what the Lauren Bowman situation is because he missed all of last season, not this past, but the season before that, uh, at home dealing with a personal issue. He came back, played sparingly, but, you know, from everybody that I read, um, they liked having him there. They thought he was a good player. They thought he was developing the way that he should, and then at the end of the year, he's going to go back and play somewhere closer to his home in Detroit, so he leaves the team. I don't know what that's about. Yeah. Um, I'm not I, – I don't know what the thing two years ago was. Um, I, I don't know why he needs to go back home, what the family problem is. I, I would just be curious without kind of prying too deep into, into somebody's personal life. And then um, Ben Carlson is going to enter the transfer portal, which, I mean, it's let's be honest, it's, that's not a huge loss for them. Well, I think it is. Really? Yeah. Um, 
<clears throat> I think Lauren Bowman is is a nothing loss for them. Okay. I think he was a fringe, fringe Big Ten player as as it was. Um, and yeah, whatever's going on with him, you know, wish him the best. But he probably belongs at a mid major. Um, you know, so he'll end up back at you know maybe, going to Detroit maybe the or Horizon League something or like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, I I think they got to be pretty disappointed in losing Carlson. Okay. Um, that was a Joe Krabinoff guy. He's from South Dakota. Um, they spent a lot of resources in recruiting him. I think they saw him as a kid that was going to step in next year and be be a part of that front line with uh, Tyler Wall. Um, this leaves them extremely short-handed up front. Uh, so they got they, it would have been Carlson, Wall, and Crawl, um, kind of as your three-man rotation up front. Mm-hmm. Vote is done. Um, yeah, I I think they got to be pretty disappointed in that because they were pretty high on him coming into the year as a guy that not, I'm not saying that they thought he was going to help as a freshman, but I think they foresaw him as being a contributor in the program sooner rather than later. Have you read anything on what whether there was an issue or a personality conflict? I have or, not. Haven't heard anything I mean, good or bad. Because Grabenhoft is still very much a core part of that coaching staff. Yeah. So, I mean, if he's your guy, I would just kind of be curious then. Well, What's you know, you see your you see your uh, you see your coach that recruited you get slapped like a bitch on the floor. You know, maybe that makes you change your mind. I don't know. Okay. Uh, but I I do. I I think that's going to be a um, that's a that's going to be a tough one because you know now you're going to have to try to go out into the transfer portal and Fine. get a get a Stephen vote. I yep. think his name was Stephen. Chris. Chris. Yeah. Votes vote. the Steve. Steve is the yeah. Baseball he's the dude. catcher. Yeah. Um, you're going to have to go get that kind of a guy and he wasn't very good you know he was big he but he wasn't very good so okay we'll see and then they they found another guard because they were they're going to be desperately thin behind chucky for somebody and you saw that when he was not available to handle the ball nobody could handle the ball no in in the tournament and i don't know how this how good this guy from and he played at racine st cats um i've not heard of him obviously i don't you might have yep. played at uwgb uh kamari mcgee mm-hmm. um obviously not gonna turn heads or you know be an alpha dog on the team but it's just somebody to give you know your uh your backcourt a little depth yeah high school backcourt mate of tyrese hunter who you know from iowa state they, we'll those guys the played the st yep. cats together and i believe won at least one if not two state titles um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's one of those things. If you thought he was good enough to play for you, you probably could have just recruited him last year. Uh, it wasn't like he went up to Green Bay and set the world on fire. He I, he might have made the All Freshman Horizon team. I think that's. I think I might have read that. Um, but you know, he's gonna be. A, he's a backup guard in the Big Ten, and yeah, you do need some depth. So I get it. But um, you know that that's that doesn't really move the needle one way or the other. The off season is just starting. They'll find some more guys. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're going to have to. Yeah, or else they're going to be playing a lot of freshmen. So Justin Lewis from Marquette uh, is turning pro, but he's keeping. He I don't know what the designation was was with the agent, but he is he is available now to still return to school. Yeah, yeah. You can hire an agent, but it's like I don't know. There's certain hoops you got to jump yeah. through, and if you you got to pull your name out, I think by a certain date. Um, I think he'll be back. Yeah, I think that he's at best he's a second round pick. Um, not a not not a great athlete, little undersized. Mm-hmm. Would have to play the wing. Um, you know, and I I always just kind of could could you have dropped him into that. That Nets Celtics game yesterday? No, you know, could you have dropped him into the Bulls Bucks game? I doubt it. 
you know. So we'll we'll see. I I hope he comes back because, um, I think as a as a upperclassman, I think he could be a stud for them. I mean, he was first team All Big East this year. I think he could be really good for Marquette next year. Um, and they're gonna need they're gonna need a go to guy, and he'd be it. What else is? I mean, I I I hadn't heard of these latter two. Uh, Greg Elliott is transferring. Um, I think he's going to be, I think this will be his sixth year because he missed a year for injury. Injury does. And then I think he, he he's, got, he's got the COVID thing. Oh, right. Yes, yes. So this he's going to be a, a super senior wherever he goes. I, that's one of those things in this. Well, the, what they also sign the NAIA player of the year from down in um, Louisiana, a guy named Zach Reitzel. Like a six eight kid, averaged like twenty and ten at the NAIA level player of the year. I think they won the national title. I've heard nothing but good things about him as a kid and as a as a player. Right. You know, another guy, he's a depth guy. It's not like he's gonna come in and start for him in the big east and put up numbers, but um a guy on the wing for, for some depth. But you know, this transfer portal thing, it, it Tyrese Hunter, who from Racine Went to Iowa State to play for T.J. Otzelberger. Had a really good game in the tournament. Um, played not very well against the Badgers, but they won. He's decided that he's going to transfer from Iowa State after his freshman year. So you've got two ends of the spectrum. You've got Greg Elliott, who's going to be a super senior at Marquette, who's going to go somewhere else for a year. Why, I have no idea. Like... Are you thinking you're going to go to a smaller school because you want to be like a star? Because you're not going to go to a bigger school because you were a bench guy at Marquette. So it's not like you're going to go to Carolina and contribute. So that's weird. I don't really like that. And then Tyrese Hunter, it's like, well, you were a borderline top 100 recruit, so you ended up where you should have at that Iowa State level, which is a good school, a top 40 school. But you have a good year, and, like, what? You like you think you, like, outplay your contract or something? So, so like, now what? You were watching the games, and you think you should play for Gonzaga now? Your or? coach is hot. Your team's hot. You're the flavor of the month. Yeah. So now you think you're going to cash in on what? I just think this transfer portal is a disaster. I don't think it could have gone worse than it has for for the sport. Um, it's basically become college free agency, yes. and, and I and I think it's terrible because there's too many kids and too many teams. Nobody knows who. Nobody can keep track of all this stuff. Well, and and we haven't heard a lot of the whole you know nil stuff, but you kind of link that now with the freedom that these athletes have to go wherever they want. And, you know, some teams or some programs could get a little creative with that. You know what I mean? There might be a little more um, incentive on the hook that's getting thrown out to kind of lure some of these guys into some of these schools. I'm not saying that that's happening, but I think it probably is happening. I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know why it wouldn't wouldn't be happening. I mean, if you're UCLA. Well, we've talked. We talked about that when the whole thing started. And you're like, okay, we really like Tyrese Hunter. Our point guard is graduating or he's going pro. Let's go tell Tyrese Hunter that we can get him a hundred thousand dollar deal with the Chrysler guy down the street. Yep, we're in Ames, Iowa. Mm-hmm. He'd be like, he's making 
$10,000 from the Chrysler guy down the street. You know, but that's not what it's supposed to be about. And, you know, I I feel a little bit I, I the guys I really feel for, I don't feel for the coach. I don't really even necessarily feel for the university. I feel for the other dudes on the team. And I especially feel for, you know, let's say Tyrese Hunter goes to UCLA. I feel bad for the point guard that was a freshman this year at UCLA who redshirted or or sat behind the senior and didn't play, or the incoming freshman who is coming there and committed there and was recruited there to be the next guy, and now all of a sudden you kind of just bring in this ringer it, and and what and he may only he may say after next year, well, I'm going somewhere else. Like it's just it's bad. It's it, just a bad it thing. It seems like it would create also a domino effect by the scenario that you're, you know, like, well, now the guy gets there, sits his ass in the bench and he says, "Well, I'm not I didn't come here to sit." Right. If this guy's right ahead of me and he just gets to step right in and take my minutes, I'm going to go somewhere else and I'm going to play and then you kind of kick the can yeah. down the line and you know with different programs and you create kind of that thing. I think both you and I could probably look at that situation. I think probably everybody could with the rate that the way that coaches could leave and get out of their contracts after they recruit players and they could say adios and get out and go wherever mm-hmm. and move there wherever they want but yet players were honor bound by what they had to commit and then had to sit out a year if they wanted to leave and do all that stuff i think we could probably understand that there needed to be some ratification of those rules like if the coach is free to leave but he recruited me and all of a sudden he's the main reason i went and he's not there why the hell am I still here? You know, like what what does the school mean to me now that the coach isn't here? Yeah. Like, like I understand if if that player doesn't feel welcome or he doesn't think of that as his program now. There should be some opportunity to kind of move around. Absolutely, but it seems like now you have <laughs> taken all the restrictions it's the wild west it, to- it totally is it is because like take the bowman kid for the badgers you got something going on at home mom's sick you know brother gets hit by a car wh- whatever and you want to go home you should absolutely be able to do that and still keep playing basketball yeah and and look i've talked about it in my own career sometimes you get somewhere and it can either be not what you were told it was going to be, or you get there and something happens on the coaching staff that you're not on board with, but you're stuck there. You again should be able to leave. But I think there does need to be some, I don't know, I guess you'd call it a penalty on the player that leaves. It used to be you had to sit a year. Sit the year. And that was the penalty. You can transfer, but but you got to sit a year. You lose a year of eligibility. Right. Now, Maybe you could go back to that if you're the NCAA and you because it used to be you had five years to play four. That was always the old rule. Unless you, you unless shirt, you could get a medical red right, shirt, then you get an sometimes you could stretch it yep. out to six. Abolish that. Just say screw that rule, and and go back to if you transfer, you got to sit out a year, but you can transfer as many times as you want. If you want to be thirty years old and playing in the Big Ten, God bless you, man. By all means, if they still want you. I don't know why we put an age restriction on that or, or a year's restriction on that. You still only get to play four, four years, years on the court. But if you want to play, transfer, play, transfer, play. If people still want you, fine. 
but in I college think, for eight years. But I think there needs to be some kind of a penalty because otherwise we're going to see this where you're going to get it. You're going to get kids that transfer three times in a, in a career. And that's not the point of what this is about. Because those aren't the, you can say, well, you know, they're trying to get themselves in the best position professionally. Them guys, most of them guys ain't playing pro anyway. They're just jumping around looking for something that, that fills their little ego or their little need that they want. Let's just be honest. The pro guys land one place for one year and then they say, okay, I'm out of here. Or maybe, or maybe they transfer once. Yeah. They're not transferring multiple times. Because for any front office guy, that's a red flag. We watched it with that Jalen Johnson kid. He was at Sun Prairie. Then he was at Nicolet. Then he went to Florida. Then he came back to Nicolet. Then he went to Duke. Then he quit Duke. And now what's he doing? He's playing garbage time in a 30-point blowout in game one of the playoffs down in Miami. Played like the last minute. Wow. Great. But it got him drafted, but well, it's not. That's great. I hope he saves his money because he's going to have a short career. <laughs> wow. All right. Did you make it? Okay. Did it, yeah. all, all that talking loosen some stuff up over yeah. there? Well, then when, when you leave, I won't talk again probably till tomorrow unless I'm yelling at my dog for kicking over his dish again. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm glad we could do this. I yeah. know it, I know it had been a couple weeks. I know we had we had done some stuff and and I of course already uh got a text message about next basketball season from from one of the coaches who just can't seem to do anything else, which baseball baseball for me starts tomorrow. I'm I'm oh, yeah? I'm, I'm looking forward Is to Is that getting... the Craig Sun Prairie game? Are you no, doing? that's Thursday. Oh, that's so, Thursday. So so I got Parker Verona tomorrow. It's going to be good to sit up in the booth with with Bear and and the golden tones of Tom Murphy and uh might need a little space heater action for tomorrow, but um looks like the temps are on the rise, but it's it's going to I'm I'm really looking forward to getting out to the diamond. Well, I'm I'm um, hoping so. to make my my debut on the course Thursday. Okay. So, so you're going to hear us. If I do, if I'm on the back nine, if I'm on 14, I'll try to shoot one down your way. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Awesome. All right. That is the intentional foul for this week. Dan's going to rest the vocals and uh, and try and heal up some more. Uh, we thank you for listening. Sorry it took us this long. Uh, continue to download, subscribe, and, of course, we ask that you uh, spread the word and tell your friends. We would, uh, we would appreciate it. So thanks very much. Maybe we'll talk next week. Maybe we'll give it two weeks. Not really sure, but nevertheless, we will be back. Until then, I'm Josh. I'm Dan. We will talk to you then. Go Bucks!